Hi there, and welcome to the Click IQ Academy podcast. The Click IQ Academy is a learning and resources hub for recruiters, shaping the future and featuring insights from the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm Alan Walker, and in this episode, I talked to hypergrowth hiring specialist extraordinaire Liz Dowling. We talked about the challenges TA people face in extremely fast-growing startups, what to expect, and how to prepare for success. Hello, Liz. How's tricks? Good, thank you, Alan. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. So for those that don't know you, who are you and what is it you do? So uh, my name is Liz Dowling. I've been in uh, talent acquisition now for, gosh, way too many years, since 2000. (laughs) Yeah, I started um, off in recruitment agency um, and then went client side into uh, marketing agencies grew um akqa um so you know one of the most innovative and creative agencies in the uk antiquity global level i had it acquired and since then um i've been working with startups scale-ups stay-ups firmly in the tech industry okay excellent excellent so i I know you've done a, a lot of work really recently with some hyper growth startups and um maybe i'll ask you as part of your answer, tell me exactly what a hypergrowth startup is. But what are the challenges that TA teams have to face in those kind of businesses? I think that the, the main challenges is that everything is reactive. As businesses are going on this huge journey, um, they quite often don't know where they're going to be taken in terms of the product and the market. So talent acquisition teams are often having roles fired at them left, right and centre. Um, deliverables and asks change by the day. That's one of the, the, the main challenges that they face is that the sheer lack of knowledge and strategic planning. Go on, tell me what a hyper-growth startup is exactly. Because everyone's everyone's a startup nowadays. What's the difference between a normal startup and a hyper-growth startup? So I would class a hyper-growth startup as a business that's scaling in its hundreds. Yeah. Um, that um, a global level um, and also you know several products at one point in time. So I would say that most of the businesses that I class as hyper growth, they're going from the hundreds to the thousands in, you know, 12 to 18 months. Wow. Yeah. So kind of bonkers timelines. Bonkers timelines. And I can kind of understand to a certain extent why people in those in those situations or TA people in those situations are being reactive because it's hard to a certain extent not to be because I guess things change so quickly how how can a ta leader manager even a recruiter be be more proactive in that type of environment what can they do i think the first thing is that they really need to understand the company's strategy vision and, and their roadmap so i think actually ta stepping up to the plate and asking the leadership team for where are we going why are we going there and what do you need and being able to, just the same as product individuals would build out a roadmap, I think the advanced and, and mature talent acquisition teams are building out a roadmap that maps to the commercials, and they're aligned. And that's um, not always something that all TA folk have done before or are comfortable doing it. What are the kind of key skills that a, a recruiter or recruitment leader needs to have under their under the bonnet, so to speak, to be able to have those kind of conversations and then turn it into that roadmap 
Definitely. Well, I think one of the, the, the main um, issues that I realise um, is that a lot of companies that are going on this like massive hyper growth, their first thing that they do is they will hire talent acquisition people. So it's about like, let's bring lots of people in. Um, and then it's not until they're kind of a couple of years down the road in terms of maturity that they'll look at bringing in HR, um, which tends to be uh, nuts and bolts HR rather than strategic. Yeah. So one of the main areas is, is that there's no workforce planning. So you really need to be able to, where, as a business is going through budgeting and forecasting for the following year, you need to be at that table yeah. to understand what, what, what their plans are and how you, need, you can resource against it. And I think that's quite different to how a lot of um, talent acquisition people have the experience that they've had and what they're used to doing, because normally they're given a list of roles to go out and fill them, whereas you really need to be able to work with your stakeholders to understand, actually, to deliver X, Y, Z, what does that mean in terms of a people point of view? And and because we're all kind of swimming around in the same pools or puddles quite often in my world, <laughs> um, it's about also um, really having a contingency plan. So if you're being asked to hire 100 engineers of a certain variety that don't exist at the moment, being able to give that insight and knowledge back to your stakeholders and come up with a contingency plan for them. So being proactive, service-led and solutions-focused and being able to give them not only data from, from the market um, and insights, but also to give them clear overview. It, it, it's amazing to me how many um, teams, talent acquisition teams, do not feed dashboards into the business. So live updates in terms of where they are with each role, how many roles are open, why have they been open for so long, really creating a recruiting culture. Exactly. I think that's essential, isn't it? You've got to share that information because if, if you don't and then suddenly you hit a brick wall and you're going back to hiring teams with a I've hit a brick wall type message rather than them knowing along the way that you're tripping over a few of those bricks and there's a potential to hit the wall at the end, then those conversations are going to be so much harder because they'll think, why haven't you told us this three weeks ago? Uh, that it's you know it's going to be a challenge, so we can start to think about how we how we resource in in, in a different way. And do is different skill sets do we go after? Do we hire different types of individuals or on different terms, etc.? Do we need to pay more? Do we need to offer longer contracts? Whatever it might be, um, people need that data up front, don't they? So they can then, so they can make some of those decisions. And again, it goes back to this being reactive um, isn't the right way, but being proactive is, and that's two ways. You expect the business to give you information so you can be less reactive and more proactive, but it's got to work both ways, surely. Absolutely. And the, the one thing is, is that I think we need to start thinking as like, commercially. Mm. If, I was, if I was a product manager, I wouldn't be going to the business and asking them what I should be doing with my product, who I should be targeting, yeah. and um, what the challenges were that I would be having. And, and t- talent acquisition individuals need to start thinking like that. They need to be coming to the table with the information yeah. that their stakeholders need. And the problem is, is that what I'm noticing is that if you're not communicating and you're not seen as an expert in your field, people just will go like out and, you know, they'll cut loose and they'll start briefing agencies themselves and going against the grain because they don't have the confidence um, or they're not aware of what you're doing to get 
the right people in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. And and there's no there's almost no function like recruitment in the business where everyone thinks they can do it, don't they? Hiring managers think they're <laughs> yeah. great at it, the CEO thinks they're great at it, HR thinks they're great at it. And uh, often yeah. that's because of the reality is they don't understand the complexity and the challenges that you have to go through in TA, particularly in the type of organisations we're discussing. Um, but if all you're doing is telling them about the beginning of the process and the end of the process and they don't understand all the stuff that happens in the middle, then they're always going to think like that. So it, all, it feels very simple, but it's it's far from it in those kind of environments. Definitely. And I think if you're not um, you know, banging the drum at the top table and saying, right, if we do want to hit these targets... This is the journey that we're going to have to go on. So even just down to getting the basics right. So if you're hiring 400 people in three months and you know that your interview to hire ratio is four to one, mapping that into the business so that they're aware that actually they're going to spend that amount of time Mm. focused on hiring. Um, And also explaining to them the uh, commercial um, gains or, or losses um, by the not really letting you take charge of the process and by making it more efficient and investing in the infrastructure. Exactly. Because if you can, you know, if that, that, that example there, four to one ratio, if you can evidence to the business, look, at the moment, the reason it's a four to one is because we're not, we're not able to do enough upfront to filter it down to two to one. So because we don't have the technology there, we don't have the tools, we don't have the resources, we don't have the manpower, whatever it might be. So that you're going to have to interview slightly more people because we we can spend less time with them at the initial screen stage. So some people we put forward, we're not always 100% sure about, but we haven't yeah. got time to find out whether we are 100% sure. So we're going to hand them over to you. But if you give us more resources, more, more cash, yeah. more people, whatever it might be, we can be more diligent in our upfront screening and give you less people to interview, which is less of a time impact on your you hiring managers and, and leadership team, which means the overall process should flow that little bit quick, more quicker. And um, and this is what it looks like commercially. This is what it will cost. But actually, yeah. often it's not really a cost, is it? Because if you add up the, the days and days and months and weeks or whatever that hiring manager spends interviewing four people for every role rather than two, that's way more <laughs> expensive in terms of impact on the business. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is the thing that um, we were, uh, and I think actually we have ourselves to blame in a way because I think we look at ourselves as being like cost and control and having to save money. That's not how it should be. Um, there should be just as much investment, if not more, into the infrastructure and in talent acquisition um, than anything else across the business. It is as important as your marketing. Mm. Um, it will, um, you know, make or break you. And I think that also a lot of businesses need to get very clear about what they are hiring for. So getting the ways of measuring values up front, the skill sets, um, but having the confidence in other people to do that because a lot of businesses that are scaling, it's almost... uh, you know, decision-making by consensus. Mm. Everybody feels they have to get in the room. So then suddenly you've got 23 people that have had a touch point <laughs> with a candidate. Yeah. If you do the, like, you know, um, hours on that, that's just ridiculous. They, sh- you know, should be spending that focused on their particular area. So I would never have the audacity to go into a <laughs> tech team and tell them how to start coding. So, but because it's people, everyone feels that they can come. Exactly. 
and us how to do our job. And it takes a confident, um, a confident TA leader to to challenge that, doesn't it? And have the, um, I was going to say the balls, but I know that's not gender neutral. But the the uh, just the general <laughs> gumption to actually get out and challenge and say, I know my role, I know my function. I've been doing this job for X number of years, and I've seen what works in far more environments than you have. What kind of information does a TA leader need to go with to the business to convince them that they should be valuing TA, listening to TA, and um, yeah. both not only just trusting TA, but also giving them the resources they need to um, to fund whatever crazy plans they've got in TA and their, their technology addiction that will help them achieve those plans? So I think the first thing that any talent acquisition leader or function needs to do is get the basics right. So you can't be, um, you know, running off to the business and asking for more investment or putting proposals forward unless you've got the core fundamentals in place um, and the reporting. So once you're able to look at your, like the standard metrics that we all expect, like cost the hire, time to hire, etc. Once you're able to track those um, and then weigh them against the industry, so look at benchmarks, you can then start to use data mm. um, to really drive conversations and enable the business to make better decisions. And that is not, I suppose it's not just data, it's also insights and case studies. So for instance, explaining to them, company B over here, they've managed to hire X number of people. This has been their approach, their strategy, um, the way they've gone about it, and also yeah. the investment. Um, both in terms of from people, but also in terms of infrastructure. So I, I think kind of like giving yeah. business options is, is very clever. Um, and just saying, if we, if we invest in the right areas, I think things that are fundamental are infrastructure, just, and I'm not even talking about ATS, just literally getting the basics right in terms of like, how do you screen? Um, what your screening infrastructure looks like, how long it should take, how many, how your um, week should be structured, Mr. Hiring Manager. I want you to block out four hours uh, a week when mm. you're hiring X number of roles. Um, we need to have a meeting uh, once a week to go through progression. We need to have a strategic update on a monthly basis. So just really building out that uh I suppose it's, it, I call it the swimming pool rules. Well, no bombing, no bombing and no heavy petting while recruiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Please swim in lane. <laughs> um, and uh, then once you, you, you've got them bought into when you've got a process um, that's working and they can see the benefits, then you can really start showing them this whole new world then you can start then you can get on the diving board and jump in to carry on the swimming pool analogy yeah yeah start doing the fancy stuff yeah, triple start. somersault yeah exactly get the, get, yeah, get the wave exactly. machine out you made a really good point there about actually you know tl leaders looking at what other organizations are doing and what's working for them and building that almost library of case studies and and seeing how things have landed in in other companies i don't i don't think that a lot of TA leaders do enough of that, particularly in those super busy environments where sometimes it can be a case of just pulling mm-hmm. pulling the duvet over the head and kind of head down and cracking on, trying to figure stuff out. And some of the, sometimes I think taking a breather and getting out and talking to other people who are 
sometimes going through the same challenges as you and finding out how they've solved them is is just absolute lifeblood for a TA leader. It is. It's absolutely critical. And I think that thankfully um, we're all um, starting to talk a, yeah. lot, a lot more network and build communities. But I still, there are some teams that still are completely underwater and that are working, you know, around the clock. 24-7 um, and they're actually doing a lot of the work that mm. hiring managers should be doing um, I think it's it's kind of, it becomes this vicious circle because what happens is, is that when you feel like you're not delivering you start to over deliver in the areas um, that perhaps you don't need to or you start doing the hiring manager's job or you stop yeah. saying no in a positive way and taking on more and drowning and drowning and you're right if people actually just like took a step back took a breath um and just said okay what what roles um if we look at you know we've got 500 roles to to hire this year what are the 20 that are going to make a real impact to the business this month and getting the business to align with that and then developing some currency with them and then going forward because it is you have to um i think a lot of uh, recruiters very much driven off yeah. like, their confidence players. So if they feel like they haven't got a voice um, and they're not delivering, it impacts their ability to... Oh, exactly. It's, it's such a high-pressure environment. It, almost any recruitment role is. There's very few recruitment roles that I would describe yeah. as low-pressure or easy. And the pressures are different. The pressures come from different angles, different types of people, they different are. skills that are needed to be hired, yeah. etc. But actually, there's very few easy recruitment roles in this world. and. Um, and I guess certainly, again, using that phrase hyper growth, a lot of people going into those roles uh, because there's, there seems to be increasingly more and more hyper growth companies around won't necessarily have been in that environment before. So they may have been in a challenging role, uh, a role with pressures, et cetera. But as, as we both know, hyper growth is a, a unique set of challenges entirely. What would you say to somebody going into that environment for the first time? Let's say they're literally coming in, it's, it's Wild West, there's nothing in place, no process, etc. but they know things are going to go batshit crazy for, for the next three years. Where should they start? Well, I think, first of all, it starts with mindset. I think if you're going to join a hyper-growth business, you have to be focused on and you have to love the day-to-day execution of recruiting. Um you also have to be very resourceful and scrappy. You don't no. have like an entourage that you can pull behind you and big um, teams and documents and templates, etc., to pull from. You really are, you, you know, you're almost mm. a startup within a startup. Um, so I think the first thing to do is to, you, you've got to get some quick wins um, in place. Um, and also from the, from the get-go, creating some kind of rhythm and rigor and recruiting culture it's not down to recruiting to fix all the problems in recruiting it has to be across the business so um getting the business to understand the value of of, like referrals um being true to your brand so every single person that has a touch point with a candidate um it's a positive one they understand um the implications of not getting back to candidates quickly, um, not running the process professionally. Um, so I think giving that yeah. know, recruitment 101 when you go in is, is super important. Um, 
and then as I said, really getting under, under underneath the skin of, of, of the commercial strategy. And also don't be afraid to challenge um, the norm because just because it says that there has to be 400 hires made, that's not necessarily accurate. Because I think a lot of startups um, forget to look backwards. So forget to look at how they can upskill, reskill um, individuals within the business. I've had a lot of companies where I've gone in and perhaps they've been migrating from one stack, yeah. tech stack to another. And their, um, you know, oh, um, MO is to, well, we'll just go out and hire another 300 developers. Well, hang on a second. What about the 300 developers who are in that corner over there um, working on a different tech stack? Why would you not? take them on um so those kind of questions you have to be you have to be very skilled and look outside of just the recruiting so you come you you can often be in in that kind of environment not just a, a recruiter you're also a, a talent person a talent manager you probably end up being a bit of a hr person as well unfortunately in those kind of situations and it, it, it reminds me of I've had a few conversations recently with people in those startups who uh, you might have seen the, the 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 regular conversations going around about t- the TA should report into the the CEO and should be at the C suite and top of the table and the and the reasons being that all these people keep going well I'm in TA and I report into into C suite and um, and I asked one of those people I said okay so where did HR report and they were like oh we haven't got a HR department. And I'm like, mate, the reason you don't report yeah. into HR is because you are HR. <laughs> You're doing that as well, so that's probably why it's not like that in your business. But uh, it's interesting. You've got to be, you've got to be yeah. very broad-shouldered, willing to kind of roll your sleeves up and get stuck into lots of different things. But also, I guess you've got to be strong enough to say no to certain things that are going to derail you. Well, it's about prioritization, and sometimes you need to go back to the business and say, right, what are the commercial what wins yeah. from a commercial point of view here? Because we can only do so much in 24 hours. And this is what the next three months looks like. So what are your priorities um, going forward? And I think that um, I've always been a believer of like, it doesn't matter who you report into, um, and what your job title is. Just do great work and develop uh, a reputation and a profile and outputs that get you noticed. Because if you are reporting, I don't know, to the operations director, there's nothing to stop you sitting down with the business and saying, right, this is what you're asking yeah. me to hire for the next two, you know, 12 months. It's impossible because actually these people don't exist. Um, you know, skill shortages, demand, Brexit, etc., And that, it, that requires you to know your shit um, and to be out and reading in the market, you know, get talking to individuals um, who have been on the same journey as you. Um, and it's it's just about having that very much like solutions and service mindset. So we're not saying no, but asking the business really, you know, what, what wins here? Listen, Liz, that's been fantastic. That 24 minutes has absolutely flew by. It's been a pleasure. Great to speak to you again. Thank you so much for inviting me, Alan. Not a problem at all. See you soon. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Big thanks to Liz for sharing her experience on hiring in hyper-growth startups and a big thanks to you for listening. Everything we've discussed today can be found at academy.clickiq.co.uk and any questions or feedback can be sent to hello at clickiq.co.uk.